My name is Benjamin Pace, and you're listening to the No Content Podcast. And if you happen to be a duck listening to this, you're in a safe space. Hey there, welcome to the No Content Podcast. My name is Benjamin Pace, and I hope you are having a wonderful July. And uh, before I get into the podcast, a couple of things I wanted to just say in the beginning here. Um, You know, there's been a lot of controversy (laughs) in the body of Christ and in the Word of Faith movement about uh, Brother Creflo Dollar. And um, I just want to say this openly, um, without getting into doctrinal things about some people having some differences of opinion about some things he's ministered recently on the subject of tithing. Um, Number one, uh, one of the biggest problems in the church is division. And a different perspective on tithing is not going to hurt the body of Christ nearly as much as division will. (laughs) And and I'm I'm not saying yay or nay about about the the subject itself. I'm, I'm, I'm not getting into what I personally believe about that and what I feel like I've gotten revelation about in that. Maybe I'll do a podcast about that soon if I feel led to. Um, biggest thing is you need to do what you feel like the Lord's told you to do, and you need to stick with that. Um, and and uh, whatever you've gotten revelation in and, and you know whatever you feel convicted that you should do, that's what you should do. Walk in the light that you have. But, but what I want to address in that is this. Um, division will hurt the body of Christ more than a different perspective on a doctrinal issue. And so um, people get divided over doctrinal disagreements, and they fail to do one of the biggest things that the Bible tells us to do, and that is to keep the spirit of unity and the bond of peace. Now, if something's off the wall and wrong and hurting the body of Christ, there's a right way to address it and and to deal with that. Um, But just something I just wanted to say here in the beginning is, number one, um, you and I both don't know everything. Paul said we know in part. And there's a whole lot in this Bible that I'm holding that you can't see. Um, And I know a a half of a thimble of a little bit about it, I think. (laughs) Um, But there's a whole lot I I still have yet to learn about about what it says and and what the Lord is showing us. And um, the biggest thing to do is, is, like I said, walk in the light that you have until you get more light. Um, But be open to more light. And God gives us the gifts in the body of Christ who have different parts and different perspectives, and not everything that any one of them says is right. Um, every one of them are men and women, and they, they can miss it. Um, but there's something that the Spirit of God communicates through these gifts that we want to look for that. We want to we be open to that. And if it doesn't bear witness with you, if it doesn't line up, well, then, you know, walk, like I said, walk in the light that you have. Um, but don't yield to division and don't get out of love, um, because that's the biggest thing that will hurt the body of Christ. And uh, I just wanted to say that just in the beginning here. I just know that's something that has been kind of a thing that's been coming up. And for the people that do listen to this podcast, um, just wanted to minister that. And, uh, you know, I, I love Brother Creflo. I think he's an amazing anointed minister of God, and uh, I, I highly recommend his ministry. Um, you know, I'm not going to get into my personal convictions about that right now, about that subject, but needless to say, I I wanted to say that in the beginning. So anyway, um, and the second thing I wanted to say here in the beginning is um, uh, just a shout out um, to Brother Bill Johnson. Um, I don't know if you you, you saw this. Um, His wife, um, I believe her name is Benny Johnson. She went home to be with the Lord this week. She's been battling cancer for quite some time. And, um, you know, I, I was thinking about that this week, just, just what it must be like, um, to, to be married to somebody for decades and then to have them move to heaven, you know, praise God, we have the victory and we know we have a hope and a future and that they're, you know, when people move to heaven, um, they're not just in our past, they're in our future. And that's, that's a hope that the world doesn't have the luxury of having, you know, they could have it if they, if they would receive that gift, but um, you know, thank God for that. And we don't sorrow as those who have no hope, but you know that that hurts and you know that's not easy. And so just something to be mindful of is keeping Brother Bill Johnson in prayer 
And um, if the Lord puts them on your heart or it comes up on your heart, pray for them because, uh, you know, it, it's, it's a battle. <laughs> I, I, you know, I know some people personally who have had spouses go home to be with the Lord after decades. And I can tell you from what they've told me, it's a battle. And, uh, you know, those prayers that are prayed in faith from the heart, they, they make a difference. They really do. Um, you know, and, and so uh, that's just something I just felt impressed to encourage everybody that listens to this to do. If the Lord puts it on your heart, if it comes up, is to pray for Brother Bill Johnson. It's such a wonderful ministry and so thankful for the man of God that he is. And uh, anyway, so um, uh, without further ado, um, I'm going to get into my subject for the day. Um, and, and I'm going to pray here in the beginning before I get into it, uh, just believing for utterance and the right things to come out. Uh, Father God, I just thank you for your word. Thank you for the opportunity to click play and uh, record on this microphone and to be able to minister to your people and minister to your sheep. Father, I value each and every one of them, each and every listener, each and every person that feels impressed to click play on this podcast. Lord Jesus, I thank you for them. Thank you for drawing them to this. And Lord, I believe if they click play on this today, it's because there's something in this for them. There's something in, in this for them specifically that you would minister to them. And, and Father, I just ask you for your help um, and your grace to, to minister what you would have them hear and, and not, not what I would have them hear, Lord, not my opinions, um, but, but what you have to say. And Lord Jesus, I just thank you for that. And I, I yield myself to you as a vessel, and I thank you for the gift and the grace to minister your word today in Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, today um, on this podcast, what, what I want to minister, this is something that I've had on my heart for a while. And, and, and if, if I was going to, if I had an opportunity to minister to ministers, um, this, is, this is what I believe I would speak on. Uh, if I had an opportunity in the future, if I ever do have an opportunity, you know, I, I say that with humility um, I would check my heart and minister on whatever the Lord told me to minister on. But this is something I feel like if I had the opportunity to minister to other ministers, um, this this is what I would talk about, That what I'm going to talk about in this podcast today. And um, it's significant, and it's something that is so important. Um, but but that being said, it's not just for ministers, though. It's This, this message is for everybody. Uh, it, it absolutely is. Um, it's it's for every single person. It's it's not this is not exclusive to one thing or the other. But what I want to talk about today is my witness and my weakness. Amen. I want to talk about my witness and my weakness. This is a phrase I believe the Holy Spirit dropped in my heart some time ago, and He's been opening it up to me more and more. And uh, there's something significant in here that I want to minister to you today. Uh, we'll start out, um, actually, we'll start out in Isaiah 61. We, I've been in Isaiah 61 the past few podcasts, um, and not not by any design of my own. Uh, I had no intention of doing a series or anything like that. I've just been endeavoring to check my heart and be led. And it seems like I've, I've made these notes for these different podcasts, and then somehow or another, I always end up starting out in Isaiah 61. So maybe it is a series, whether I planned it that way or not. But I believe he's helping me. And um, Isaiah 61 is Jesus talking. It's, it's Isaiah speaking prophetically of Jesus. But this is an interesting thing. It's really not speaking of Jesus. He's quoting Jesus. But he's quoting Jesus before Jesus was on the earth. How cool is that? <laughs> like... You know, we looking over in Luke 14, I'm sorry, Luke 4, chat, verse 18, excuse me, and we see that Jesus is quoting Isaiah. Oh, come on. I, I never saw this before. Praise God. He's helping me already. Um, actually, Isaiah is quoting Jesus. Oh, man. I, I just had, Elijah, if you're listening to this, I just had that that well, uh, that Joker laugh, you know, that's what Elijah does, you know. I've been listening to Elijah's podcast lately, and I just, that's, that's, ooh, that's what he does when he does something good. It's kind of like Brother Bill Winston, you know. <laughs> I'm thankful for the people that God has joined me with and joined me to. They're all such precious gifts, and, and I get so much out of their ministry. But um, this is not this is not Jesus quoting Isaiah in Luke 14. Isaiah is prophetically quoting Jesus. Come on, praise the Lord! Ah, 
That's so good. I never, I didn't see that till just this moment. And I've always looked at it that way. I've always looked at it um, as, as Jesus in Luke 4, 418, quoting Isaiah. And, and how many ministers have said that? Oh, this is Jesus quoting Isaiah. And that's true. He is, he's literally reading Isaiah, but in the spirit, come on, in the spirit, Isaiah is actually quoting Jesus. Whew, come on. This is how the spirit works. I, I don't <laughs> I don't understand it any more than you do. But it's it's good. It's some good stuff. Man, praise God. And Isaiah is prophetically looking ahead into the spirit of Luke 4:18. And Jesus is quoting Isaiah and yet Isaiah is quoting Jesus. Oh, come on. <laughs> because this is this Jesus is the word. And this came through Jesus before it came through Isaiah. It came from Jesus through Isaiah, and then Jesus quoted it. But Jesus was the original one who said this. He was the original original quoter of this. Amen. And that's something that's a revelation. The Bible says that the, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Uh, can I tell you something that maybe you didn't realize, and I didn't realize till recently? Every single time... God speaks prophetically in the Old Testament, it should be read. Oh, man, I'm going to say it again. Every time that God speaks prophetically in the Old Testament, it should be read. R-E-D. Not read, R-E-A-D, read. It should be read words. Why? Because Jesus is talking. Come on. The Bible says in Revelation... That the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. That didn't become that way after he died on the cross. It's always been that way. He is called the faithful and true witness. I did a podcast about that a few weeks ago called A Faithful Witness. And he is the spirit of prophecy. His testifying, his testimony. In other words, when the spirit of prophecy is operating of God, when it's from God, when it's coming from God, Jesus is talking. That means, and you see this when Jesus is talking to all the cities, he's Bethsaida and all this stuff, and he's even pronouncing judgment and and saying that if Sodom and Gomorrah had what you had, they would have repented. Woe unto you, Bethsaida, woe unto you. And it's the same spirit that you see in the Old Testament when there's a prophetic word of warning or or rebuke or or, or anything. Jesus is talking. It should be red words because that is the word talking. That is Jesus. You you talk about, oh, I want a word from the Lord or I have a a hear the word of the Lord. When the Bible says this, like in Jeremiah 31, it says, hear the word of the Lord. I know I'm going on on a different, you know, path here, but you know, I'm, I'm endeavoring to flow in the spirit. When he says, hear the word of the Lord, what's happening? He's saying, hear Jesus, hear Jesus. Cause he is the word made flesh in Jeremiah 31. He says that other places, he says that hear the word of the Lord. Why? What, what did, what did, what did God say when, when they were up on the Mount of Transfiguration and Peter wanted to make three tabernacles? one for Moses, one for Elijah, and one for Jesus. He said, this is my beloved son, hear him. Why? Because Moses and Elijah were not the prophetic voice of God, even though God had used them both prophetically at different times. Jesus is the word. His testimony is the spirit of prophecy. In other words, don't look at the prophets. They're just vessels. Look at Jesus. Listen to Jesus. He is the spirit of prophecy. His word, his testimony is the spirit of prophecy. Amen. Glory to God. I wasn't planning on saying any of that, but I like it. I'll take it. Praise the Lord. Amen. So this is Jesus talking in Isaiah 61. And uh, it says this, The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort 
all that mourn. So Jesus is anointed to heal broken hearts and to comfort those who mourn. This is one of the things he's anointed to do. And to proclaim the, I already said that, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Praise the Lord. So Jesus is saying, I'm anointed to heal your broken heart, and I'm anointed to comfort you. And we know that the Holy Spirit is called the comforter. So the first thing I want to say this morning um, is that God cares about your soul. He cares about your emotions. Now, there's been a lot of ministry in the area of physical healing, that God wants you well in your body. He wants you physically whole. He wants you physically strong. He wants you physically comforted. He wants you to be free from pain. He bore your pain. He bore your sicknesses. And that is, oh, oh, so wonderfully true, is it not? Thank God that he is provided for us to be healed, and he wants us healed. But for some reason, this has not seemed to translate into the realm of emotions and the soul. And because there's been a lot of truth in that we are not to be led by how we feel or our soul. We are not to be moved by how we feel. We walk by faith and not by sight. Um, we are not to be just uh, captive to our emotions and how we feel because your emotions can mislead you. They, they will mislead you. And there's a lot of people that are overly emotional and it affects their ability to hear from the Spirit. And, and the way I see that is like a small child who is trying to run the house. That's chaos. But at the same time, whereas you don't want your child running the house, you also don't want them unhealthy or in pain. Are you, are you hearing me? You don't want your child to be unhealthy, and you don't want your child to be in pain, hurt. In fact, if your child is in pain, as a parent, you would want to do everything you can to comfort them, to get rid of that pain, to heal them. And if you have a child or a son or a daughter who goes through a heartbreak, as a parent, you want to do everything you can to bind that up, to heal that, to comfort that. So the point I want to make to you is that God cares about your soul. He cares about your heart. And it does matter to God that you not be in emotional pain. I'm going to say it again. It matters to God that you not be in emotional pain. Now, there is a lot of examples in the Bible of times that God has asked people to do things that was hard on their soul. And that's absolutely true. And in order to fully obey God, you cannot be a captive to your soul. You cannot be a slave to your emotions. Um, if you are, you won't accomplish the will of God. There are many times in which you will come to a place of saying, not my will, but your will be done, Lord. This is not easy on my heart. This is not easy on my soul. And God knows that. Did you know there are also times that God may ask you to do things that are hard physically, that are not easy on your flesh? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Ask Paul. And so I'm not talking about being led by your emotions, but third John tells us that God wants us to prosper and be in health as our soul prospers. So what I want to minister to you this morning is that God wants you healthy in your soul. And if something is broken or something is wrong or not right in your soul, he wants that to be healed. He wants that to be made right. And it's not faith to just act like that doesn't matter. That as long as you're making the right confessions, as long as you're putting on a smiley face, that what's happening in your soul doesn't matter. There's too much in this Bible about the soul to believe that. There's so many times that he's talked about the soul. Psalm 23 says, He restores my soul. Well, why would he restore your soul if it didn't matter? It does matter. Um, the Bible talks about how you have loved my soul up from the pit. Um, and in another place, um, in Jeremiah 31, it talks about your soul being like a well-watered garden and you not sorrowing anymore at all. 
God wants you to be healthy. He wants you to be whole. He wants you to be comforted in your soul. I didn't mean for that to rhyme. Now, again, yes, there are times, many times, that the Lord will lead you to do things that are not easy on the soul. And yet, the comforter is there to minister to your soul, even in those times. In the natural, it's hard on your soul. It's hard to see this happen. It's hard to do that. It's hard to, to watch this happen. And it's the Lord. It's, the, it's of the Lord. And it may not be easy on your soul, but that's where the comforter comes in. That's why he's anointed to comfort you. He wants you to be comforted. And, and, and yes, we get into places that are uncomfortable on our soul, but that's what the comforter is for, to comfort us in the midst of that. Amen. Glory to God. So that's just the foundation I wanted to lay this morning. Um, I want to talk about my witness and my weakness, my weakness. Now, I know I'm 20 minutes in and it's like, I need to get to what I'm actually going to say, but you know, the Lord knows what you need to hear this morning. And if I need to do a second podcast on this, I will. I want to minister what you need to hear this morning. That's my heart. That's my desire. So second Corinthians one, eight uh, through 12, Paul says this, For we do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, of our trouble which came to us in Asia. He said, I don't want you to be ignorant of our trouble. He said that we were burdened beyond measure, above strength, so that we despaired even of life. He said we were experiencing something that was too much for us, that was beyond our strength, and our measure of being able to deal with it, and it led to us despairing of life. Now, the Apostle Paul just said that he got to a point where he didn't want to live anymore. Um, now, he's telling the church this. He is telling the people who are under him this. He is relating to them what he's dealing with in his soul. And he, now Paul is, he is the, the example. I mean, he is the apostle Paul. He is the elder. <laughs> and yet he is being real and honest with what he dealt with in his soul to these people that are under him. And, and he even went as far as to say, I don't want you to be ignorant of it. I don't want you to be ignorant of what I had to deal with. Why? Because if they are ignorant of it, they could get the illusion that because you're a certain kind of person or you're in a certain position, you'd never have to deal with something like that. Are you listening to me? He said, yes, we had the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead, who delivered us from so great a death. He goes on to say, you also helping together in prayer for us. This is another reason why Paul is telling them this, just like what I mentioned with Brother Bill earlier. We should be praying for Brother Bill Johnson because he's going through some stuff in his soul right now. He is. And he, we shouldn't be ignorant of that. Why? So we can help together in prayer for him. Come on. And Paul needs people to be aware of what he's dealing with so that they can be in prayer for him and helping him. Paul is saying, I need y'all's help. <laughs> I need y'all to pray for me. Now, this is Paul. This is, this is the Apostle Paul. Now, I know he never referred himself as the Apostle, and it's not a title, but you understand what I'm saying. He's in a position, a high position of ministry, and he is an example to other people. And yet he is saying, I, I'm, I don't want you to be ignorant of what I've been dealing with in my soul, because I need you to help together in prayer for me. He said that thanks may be given to many persons on our behalf for the gift granted to us through many. For our boasting is this, the testimony of our conscience, that we conduct ourselves in the world in simplicity and godly sincerity, not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God. Now Paul's talking about his witness and the example he's setting. First, Paul talked about his weakness. Now he's talking about his witness. Why, why am I saying this? First of all, he said, I want us to conduct ourselves with simplicity and godly sincerity. 
That's being honest. That's being authentic. Being real. And he said that we conduct ourselves not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God. We're going to talk a lot about the grace of God today. But there's a lot of people who think that in order to preserve their witness, they have to hide their weakness. Oh, come on. Listen to me today. And this is why I said this is what I would minister to ministers if I had the opportunity. In order to preserve my witness, I have to hide my weakness. That's not what Paul just said. That's the opposite of what Paul just did. Paul just said, don't be ignorant. I was dealing with despair in my soul, and I need you to pray for me. I I, I desire, I covet your prayers. He's being honest. He's being open with his congregation, with the people who look up to him, who admire him, with the people he's an example to. And he's saying, listen, I've been dealing with some weakness. And he goes on to say that it's because of the grace of God that it preserves his witness, his conduct in the world. I'm going to say it again. Many people have had the mistaken idea that in order to preserve my witness, I have to hide my weakness. You hear what I'm saying here? And that's not what Paul said. Uh, In fact, Paul, over in Romans 7, let's talk about Romans 7 for a minute here. He talks about everything he dealt with in the area of temptation. Temptation. (laughs) Now, is temptation, uh, can that be considered a, a weakness? Being, being weak in an area by being tempted in it. Paul talks about what he's being tempted with. Uh, he's honest about what he, what he had to deal with in the flesh. And uh, he talks about, um, you know, how, how sin, you know, tried to work in him. And uh, what did he say? He said, you know, uh, for the will is present with me in verse 17, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would do not, the evil which I would not that I do Uh, if I do that, I would not. It's no more I that do it, but sin that dwells in me. And I find then a law that when I do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Paul is getting real about what he's dealing with in the flesh. He's saying, listen, I have the desire to do good, but I am dealing with this pressure in my flesh to do wrong. Now, the reason why I bring this up is because some people want to act like nothing bothers them. Some people want to act like, oh, that doesn't bother me. I can can handle that. Or because they're They've been a Christian a certain amount of time because they're a minister that they're not tempted with wrong things. They're not tempted with the things of the flesh. And the idea there is, well, you know, I just, I want to be a good witness and a good example. And if I show weakness in an area, that's going to hinder the way they see me. And the truth is, the, what happens a lot of times is when people hide their weaknesses it gives the illusion to other people that they don't have any weaknesses. And then what happens is people make too much of a person. Hello, <laughs> are you still here or did you go home? You know, um, Because people have gotten the idea that there are such things as super Christians. Oh man, super Christians. Uh, you know, I can get a revelation from the Lord and I can minister that revelation And I still have to walk it out. I still have to live it out. Just because I got a revelation and ministered it does not mean that I automatically have some kind of special season pass that skips the line. (laughs) You understand what I'm saying? I've still got to walk in love. I've still got to resist temptation. And I'm not a super Christian any more than you are. I have the same Holy Spirit you have. I have the same word that you have. And I've got to act on it the same way that you have. In fact, it's the baby Christians that actually get off easier (laughs) a lot of the times because, you know, they're babies. And God requires more of of Christians that grow up a little bit more. 
But then again, we're still his little children, and, and we have not grown past being his little children. Uh, Galatians 6, um, 1 says, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness or meekness, considering yourself lest you also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one examine his own work, and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. He's talking about when somebody else messes up. People are too shocked when ministers mess up. Because there's this idea out there that because they're a minister or because they're famous, that somehow makes them less susceptible to temptation. Uh, No, it doesn't. And if you're quick to judge somebody because they've messed up in the flesh, you're acting like, well, I'm, I'm, I'm not susceptible to that. I'm not susceptible to falling into that. And that's just not the truth. Um, all of us need the grace of God, unless we be tempted. That's what Paul's saying. And he's saying, examine yourself. Don't condemn your brother. Do everything you can to restore him, considering yourself, lest you be tempted and examine your own work. He's saying, look inward. In other words, if you judge yourself, you won't be judged. Why? Because you need the grace of God on your life to resist temptation. That's the only way you're going to overcome in the face of temptation is the grace of God. Amen. And he's saying, don't be quick to condemn somebody else. Why? Because people are too shocked if a minister shows weakness. And this is one of the reasons why some ministers have fallen is because they didn't show any weakness. They didn't talk to anybody. They acted like they could handle things that they couldn't handle. They acted like they could handle having a relationship with another woman that wasn't their wife and it wasn't going to turn into an adulterous relationship. They acted like they could handle watching movies with naked people in them and it wasn't going to bother them. Why? Oh, because I've just grown past that. That doesn't bother me. And a lot of people don't want to show weakness because they think that preserves their witness and the reality of it is that's actually pride. It's pride. Now, I'm not saying you have to announce every area of your life to the whole world. But there's something about vulnerability that ministers to people. When you don't try to act like you've got it all together, it ministers to people because it it helps them to realize if they aren't perfect, then there's a a chance for me too. (laughs) You know, and and I'm going to say this. Um, I've heard it said, you know, we don't want to give glory to the devil. That's true. You also don't want to give glory to yourself. I'm going to say it again. You don't want to give glory to the devil. You also don't want to give glory to yourself. And a lot of times when people are telling testimonies or telling about their experience, they give you the highlight reel and they'll tell you about all the things they did right. Oh, we, we joined faith, and we spoke the word, and we only spoke the word, and we rebuked the devil, and we sowed our seed, and praise God, we saw the victory. Okay, praise God. What else happened? <laughs> you, you know what that is a lot of times? That's the director's cut. <laughs> I, I want to see the extended edition. You know what I'm saying? I want to see the uncut version of that. Why? Because what they didn't tell you is that they got in 15 fights. There's Thomas the Train. Amen. And amen. Praise God. They got in 15 fights. Uh, they, they got into debt on something and had to believe God to get out of it and believe for his mercy. They, uh, they struggled with this thing. They struggled with that thing. But, but a lot of times people won't tell that part and say, well, I don't get, want to give glory to the devil. But listen, you also don't want to give glory to yourself. And Paul said, I don't want you to be ignorant of our trouble. Because if you only tell the good parts of something, then you give the illusion that that's what it's supposed to look like in order for it to be God. And that if you experience trouble, or you had a weak moment, or you messed it all up, and you had to ask God for mercy, 
then that, if, if that's the case, then you're going to get second best. But where is God's grace in that? David said, I have trusted in your mercy. He didn't trust in his ability to confess things perfectly and do everything perfectly. He said, I've trusted in your mercy. Why is that important? Because if you haven't done everything right, you can still trust in his mercy. Now, I'm not saying that you should test the grace of God and just try to mess things up. No, that's testing God. And that's opening a door to the devil. I'm talking about when you're trying to do things right, you're doing the best you can, but you in yourself are weak. You have weaknesses. Every one of us do. And we've messed up and we've screwed up trying to do things right. And God knows that. And he said, baby, that's why you need my help. But if we don't communicate that to people, we can give the impression that you have to do everything perfectly in order to get a result. And listen, if that was the case, I would never have gotten any results in my life because I have never done everything perfectly. <laughs> I have never confessed everything perfectly. I have never resisted everything perfectly. I've never done it. Not once. I walked in the light that I had. I did my best and I asked God for help and mercy. And that was the only times in my life that I've seen results. Amen. Glory to God. Let's keep moving here. We're kind of we're, we're running out of time. Um, 2 Corinthians 12, 5 through 10. Um, Paul's talking about when he had an experience in heaven. And he said, Of such a one I will boast, yet of myself I will not boast, except in my weaknesses. For though I might desire to boast, I will not be a fool, for I will speak the truth. But I refrain, lest anyone should think of me above what he sees me to be or hears from me. And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Um, I'm going to get more into this passage in the Verity Vitamins that's coming out this Thursday. But uh, for now, I'm not going to touch on all these things. But he said, concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. He said, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my weaknesses that the power of Christ may rest on me. Paul is talking about how to deal with weakness. And he said, I'm boasting in my weaknesses. Does that sound like I'm hiding my weakness? Does that sound like I'm putting on a mask when I go to church and saying all the right confessions? Now, it's good to say the right confessions, but did you know that the Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you'll be saved? Did you know that Jesus said if anyone speaks to this mountain and does not doubt in his heart? Now, that's not talked about enough. And Brother Kenneth Hagin is famous for saying this, you can have unbelief in your head and faith in your heart. But you know what a lot of Christians are doing? They have faith in their head and unbelief in their heart. And that's why they haven't seen the fruit. Come on. <laughs> Praise God. Your confession has to come out of what's in your heart in order for it to have any effect. Now, you will give an account for every idle word. And that's true because idle words can be used by the enemy to do things. But if you want your confession to work for you, it has to come out of what's in your heart. And that's why you have to deal with the root. That goes back to the soul, dealing with what's in the soul. Amen. But the thing I need in order to deal with a weakness in my life is the grace of God. And who gets grace? The humble. The humble get the grace. But pretending to not have any weakness is not humility. Paul said, I boast in my weaknesses. I talk about my weaknesses. I've, I'm dealing with this. I'm dealing with that. Oh, but his grace is sufficient for me. Amen. Uh, Hebrews 4, verse 14 says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who, 
who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. You need mercy and you need grace. Now, now people will try to act like they're not tempted, but the Bible says that temptation is common to man. So if somebody's saying they're not tempted, they're calling the Bible a liar. Now, now people are tempted in different ways by different things. And not everybody is tempted by the same thing. There may be something that one person is tempted with that I'm not tempted with, but I am tempted because I've got flesh. And every one of us are tempted and we need help in the face of that. And there's too many people who are, they're misinterpreting when the Bible says to resist, the Bible said, submit to God and resist the devil and he'll flee. Resist, resist the devil after you've submitted to God. You can't resist the devil on your own. And, and, and even when James talks about blessed is the man who endures temptation, you can't, it's not about you resisting in your own strength. And it's not about you saying, oh, I successfully resisted temptation. No, you need help. You need help to resist. And I'll say this to you. Resisting temptation is less about the exercise of your strength and more about the exercise of your will. I'll say it again. The, the resistance of temptation is more about the exercise of your will, not the exercise of your strength. Because you, you can't do it in your own strength. You need his help. You need his grace. In another place, it said that because Jesus has been tempted, he is able to help those who are tempted. But we need Jesus. We need Jesus to help us. I like what Brother Kenneth Hagin said. He said, I'm not fighting sin. I have the cure for sin, and it's Jesus. Now, there is a resistance against the things of the flesh. There is a putting under of the body. There is a resistance of the devil, but it only comes after submission to God. And you know what else James said right in that passage? Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, for God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And he said, God gives more grace. Paul said there in, in, in uh, for, uh, Romans 7, where sin abounds, grace does all the more abound. So no, no matter what's coming against me, God's grace is sufficient and more than enough for me. But I've got to receive his grace. I need his help in the face of it. It's not about me successfully resisting temptation. It's about running to the throne of grace when I'm tempted. And me resisting is not about me exercising my strength. It's about me exercising my will. Uh, over in 1 Peter chapter 5, we'll, we'll talk about this for just a second. Um, he, he talks about humbling yourself under the mighty hand of God, that God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Talked about casting your care onto him. And, and he goes on to say, um, resisting the devil steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. But the God of all grace, who has called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that you have suffered or resisted a while, makes you perfect, establishes, strengthens, and settles you. Why do you need to resist a little while? I like to say it like this. God allows you to resist just long enough to fully exercise your free will. And the moment you cross that threshold, here comes His grace, here comes His mercy, here comes His strength to uphold you and help you to resist that thing. Because you need grace. Uh, there's an old... Um, tale in Homer's Iliad. I don't like to talk too much about Greek mythology, but about the sirens song. And the sirens were these seductive mermaids, more or less. And there were these ships that would come through this area in the sea where the sirens would sing their song. And, and it was said that this song was irresistible. And any, any ship that would come that way would follow this song and they would end up crashing on the rocks. It was a trap. And so there was one captain that came through and he told his crew to tie him to the mast so that he wouldn't give in to the temptation to follow this seductive song. And he did, and they survived. 
but it was an awful experience. <laughs> you read it sometime, maybe. But there was another ship that had come through there, though. And they said, uh, Captain, we're about to go, go through this area where this siren song is, and it's, it's so irresistible, it's going to draw us away, and we're going to crash. And so the captain stood up and got his violin out and began to play a sweeter song over the siren song. And they went through this place, and because this sweeter song that he was playing was consuming them at the moment, they didn't even hear the siren song. Now, I know that's Greek mythology, and I don't like to preach that very much, but I will say this, grace is the sweeter song. Grace is God's sweeter song over temptation. The grace of God, that's him playing his sweeter song over that thing that's trying to pull on you. Amen. It's the sweeter song. And he said, my grace is sufficient for you. You need his help in the time of need. You can't do it on your own. And, and, and he wants you to exercise your will because he won't, he won't do that for you. But as soon as you cross that threshold, here he comes to strengthen and establish you and settle you in that. Amen. Um, John 15, verse 4 says, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. Without me you cannot do anything. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it will be, will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So will you be my disciples. What's he talking about? In the beginning, he said, you can't do anything without me. What's that? That's your weakness. But now he's talking about, you will glorify God by bearing much fruit. What's that? Baby, that's your witness. And recognizing your weakness without him is what's going to lead to you bearing fruit that remains, and that is your witness. I am not a witness of my own strength or my own faith. I'm a witness of his goodness and of his grace, of his mercy. I'm a witness of the gospel of the grace of God. I heard my pastor tell this one time that somebody had, had commented on his car that he had, had gotten, and it was a nice car, and, and he said, yeah, I, I believed for it. And they said, oh, that's awesome, Brother Keith. And, and he went on, and the Lord stopped him and said, uh, son, that wasn't right what you said. He said, well, Lord, I did believe for it. He said, yeah, but you left that young man being impressed with your faith, not with my goodness. And, and he made a correction in his life because of that. And he's told that story many times. Why? Because I'm not trying to be a witness of my faith. I want to be a witness of God's mercy, His goodness. That's what my witness is. And in order to really bear real fruit, I've got to abide in the vine. And I've got to recognize my weakness. Now, there's been some talk in the Word of Faith movement about not talking about need. Because Paul did say that. He said, I don't speak in regard to need. But the context of what he was saying was talking to people. I'm not always trying to make my needs known to people to pull on them and be needy with people. But some of that is translated over into, I don't want to be needy with God. Or I don't want to say I need God because that's not faith. Because I have God. Yes, you do have God. But baby, I'm going to say it. You need God. Every day, every hour, every moment, every breath that you take, you need Him. And without Him, you can do nothing. And if you were separated from Him for 2.5 seconds, you would fall flat on your face. David said, my soul follows hard after you. I cling to you, God. That's like a baby clinging to his mom. I do cling to God. I am needy with God. I do need Him. And, you know, pride, the more you yield to pride, you begin to experience what life is like without God. Oh, come on. He said, I resist the, pride, the, the proud. When you yield to pride, the more you do that, the more you experience life without Him. Because He resists the proud. 
but he gives grace to the humble. Now, I'm not supposed to yield to unbelief, and I'm not supposed to act like God hasn't done what he has done. I'm not supposed to say, Lord, why, what, what, where are you? Why, why haven't you given me this? And complain and murmur against him like the children of Israel. No, absolutely not. That's unbelief. It's treating him like he's a liar. And that is not at all pleasing to him. But listen, that does not mean I don't need him or acknowledge my need for him. I do need him. I can't do anything without him. Thank God, though. I have him. Thank God he is available to me. But this is not about me acting like I I don't have him. It's about me constantly being aware that I need to stay hooked to him, abide in him if I want to accomplish anything. Because if I don't have a revelation of my need for him, I can get the idea that I can do things on my own. And that's pride. I can't do that. Now, you should not be needy with people. You can, you can tell people things, you can ask for help, and God brings people into our lives to help us. And, and honestly, and going back to the thing about ministers and like people expecting too much of ministers and like treating them like they're super Christians, listen, you don't want to be needy with people, and you don't want to expect more of people than what God wants to minister to you through them, because you want your eyes to be on God, not people. And people expect too much of ministers, and it's exhausting. <laughs> it's exhausting to, to have people looking at you like you're, you're some kind of divine entity in a, of yourself. You're not. You're a vessel. You're a gift to the body of Christ. There's an anointing on your life. And we should pull on the anointing, but don't pull on the person. And we don't want to be needy with people. When you're expecting things from people too much, and, and, and you're uh, upset because they're not giving you something, or they're not... Um, giving you attention or something like that, that's an evidence that you're, you're clinging too much to people when God wants to minister something to you. You're trying to get from a person what God is trying to minister to you. Now, God brings us people. He brings us family to, to be a blessing in our life, but we're never supposed to take that place. And there are times that the Lord would say, hey, don't, don't say anything right now. Let me, let me do that. Or, or, or there are times that the Lord would have somebody else not say something. In fact, I was I was in a service recently, and there's somebody that I care about a lot that I'm really close with that was dealing with sickness. And, um, you know, I the minister began to talk about the thing that they were dealing with. And, and I, I was about to text them and, like, talk to them about it, and the Lord stopped me. And he said, no, no, stop, stop. I, I'm ministering to them right now. I'm ministering to them. And I, I, I found out later that, that, that he was. He was ministering to them right then. But see, that's why I got to watch out that I'm not trying to take God's place in somebody's life. That I'm not trying to, like, oh, I've got to say this or I've got to do that. I don't want to interrupt God ministering to somebody. And this is true of ministry, laying hands on people. There are some times that, that if you go to lay hands on somebody, the Lord will say, don't, don't even touch them. I'm ministering to them right now. Why? Because you're not the healer. You're, not the, you're just a vessel. Amen. And I don't want to try to take the place of God in somebody's life, and I don't want to look to a minister or somebody to be something in my life that God's supposed to be. Amen. Glory to God, because they're people. And I forgot where I was going with that. But, um, you know, we, we want to be dependent upon God. We want to be dependent upon Him. I am dependent on the Lord. I need Him to do anything. And I want to be completely dependent upon Him and that comes with a revelation that I'm nothing without him, that I can't do anything without him. And I know some people will say, well, Ben, you know, we're supposed to grow spiritually. We're supposed to grow up and, and God's not always just going to hold our hand and, and he expects us to do things. Actually, the Bible tells us to grow in three things. Number one, we're supposed to grow in love. And growing up spiritually is growing in love. And the love of God has been shed abroad in your heart. And First John talks about abiding in that love. And I can't do anything with that love without him and if he had not given me that love. And number two, it tells us to grow in faith. And the Bible says that we've been given a measure of faith, but it's his faith. And I can't have real faith apart from abiding in him. I'm not going to bear fruit. And number three, he told us to grow in grace. And who gets the grace? It's the humble. He told Paul, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. 
I'm to grow in the grace of God. Amen. So I am to grow up, but I'm not, I'm never disconnecting from him. And he never stops holding my hand. And I never get, get to a place where I'm not dependent upon the Lord. I need him every day. Thank God I have him. Thank God the vine is right there waiting for me. Anytime I will just hook up to it. But I can't bear fruit without it. I can't bear fruit without him. I'm completely dependent upon the Lord. Amen. And I'm not supposed to be strong in myself. The Bible says be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Now, I know you say, well, Ben, the Bible says let the weak say I am strong. And first of all, that's half a verse in the Old Testament. But I believe in that. And I believe in making that confession. But I'm not strong in myself. And he said, let the weak say I am strong. That means I know I'm weak. (laughs) I know I got weaknesses, but I'm strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Why? I'm magnifying his strength. I'm magnifying his might. Amen. And I want to say this too, uh, talking about abiding in the vine. I'm almost done here. Um, You know, living a holy life, living a righteous life. The Bible tells us that we have been made the righteousness of God in him. But a lot of people have the mentality that I've got to live holy so I can come into God's presence. But the reality of it is, I have to come into his presence so I can live holy. Oh, come on. I'm going to say it again. Pride. Let me say it to you like this. Pride says, I've got to live holy so I can come into his presence. But humility says, I have to come into his presence so I can live holy. Oh, come on. Praise God. Because it's in the light of his presence that I see who I have been made in him. It's an in him truth. I'm the righteousness of God in him. I'm strong in the Lord. That word in, that means I'm abiding in the vine. And without him, I can do nothing. I need him. I need him. I need him. Thank God I have him. (laughs) Praise the Lord. And I don't want to act like I don't have them. Like, Lord, I need you. Where are you? No, that's wrong. That's unbelief. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a revelation of your dependency upon God. Humility is a revelation of dependency upon him. Amen. Glory to God. And, and when I come into his presence, I, 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 I am empowered to live holy. I'm strengthened. I'm invigorated. Uh, Psalm 27 talks about... And the Passion Translation, every time I come into your presence, your sanctuary, I am empowered by it. I'm, in, I'm energized by coming into your presence. It's like a phone plugging into a charger. When I, when I hook up to the vine, when I come into his presence, I'm being strengthened. The Bible says, wait on the Lord and he'll strengthen your heart. Those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. Abiding in him is where your strength comes from. And you have to recognize your weakness. And say, Lord, I need you. I'm, I'm, I'm weak in this area. I'm weak in my body. I'm weak in my flesh. I'm being tempted by this. I need to abide in you. I need to abide in you, Father. I need to come into your presence. I need to abide in you in this area. Recognizing that. Paul said, I boast in my weaknesses. And I'm not trying to put on a face to other people and just try it. Listen, you ain't got no poker face anyway. You may think that you do, you don't. And the truth always comes out. And I'm not saying you need to tell everybody your business and let everybody read your diary. But what I'm saying is that when I boast in my weakness, I'm actually magnifying his strength. Let me say it to you like this. When I'm not afraid to show my weakness, it's because I know God is going to show himself strong in me. I am weak. I I am not a strong person in and of myself, but I'm strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm in him. And I don't want to give the appearance that I don't have weaknesses because I do. Oh man, but when I abide in that vine, his grace is sufficient for me. And it's his grace that sustains me. And that keeps me and upholds me. Amen. I'm almost done here. Uh, Last verse. 
Psalm 4, verse 3 says, But know that the Lord has set apart him that is godly for himself. The Lord will hear when I call unto him. And it makes this statement, Stand in awe and sin not. Commune with your own heart upon your bed and be still. This is what I want to say to you. How do you practically apply this? When you're dealing with a weakness in your body, when you're dealing with a weakness in your soul, when you're dealing with a weakness in your flesh, a temptation, something that's pulling on you, weakness in any area, how, how do you respond to it? How do you boast in Him? Listen to me. You worship. You worship. When you come into His presence and you worship Him, you are magnifying His strength over your weakness. You are magnifying His righteousness over the, the sinful nature of your flesh. You are magnifying His love over your temptation to hate. You are magnifying His, his integrity over your addiction, His strength. You, you are not strong enough to overcome that addiction. You will never overcome it in your strength, ever. You can try and try and you will fail. Oh, but baby, listen. In His presence, He strengthens you. His grace is sufficient for you and His power is made perfect in your weakness. You've got to abide in the vine and you need to worship the one who is strong enough to overcome alcohol, who's strong enough to overcome porn, who's strong enough to overcome masturbation, who's strong enough to over... I'm just calling some things out now. Who's strong enough to overcome homosexuality. I knocked my mic on that one. Who's strong enough to overcome drug addiction and strong enough to overcome anxiety, who's strong enough to overcome anything that's trying to get at you, financial weakness, debt, poverty. He's strong enough. And when you worship him, when you magnify him, you say, Lord, I'm weak. Oh, but your grace is sufficient for me. And I'm going to magnify you over. I'm going to stand in awe of your might and your strength. And it's going to cause me to sin not. Oh, come on. Praise God. What do you do in the face of temptation? You worship. And say, let me say it to you like this. This is how I fight my battles. Amen. Glory to God. I'm completely dependent on him. Look, look at this in the New King James Version. It's interesting. Oh, I'm sorry. In the Amplified Bible, it says, be angry or stand in awe and sin not. Which is interesting to me because if you, if you look at Ephesians 4, it talks about be angry and sin not. Did you know that you can feel angry and not sin? But what do you need to do when you're dealing with anger? You need to worship. What do you need to deal, do when you're dealing with wrong feelings? You need to worship. What do you need to do when you're dealing with unforgiveness? You need to worship. What do you need to do when you're tempted to drink or smoke or do that thing? You need to worship. What do you do when you're tempted to lust? You need to worship. That's how you respond to it. You stand in awe of Him and you sin not. Amen. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. And if you want to have a witness, if you want to have a testimony, you need to allow God's grace to work in the midst of your weakness. Don't let the shame of your weakness keep you from the help and the grace that God wants to give you. You need Him. You're dependent on Him, but thank God. You have him. His grace is sufficient for you. That means it's available to you and you can come boldly before the throne of grace that you may receive help in the time of need. And I know you may ask, Ben, where does faith come into all this? Easy. The Bible says that we access this grace by faith. That's where the boldness comes in when you come into the throne room of grace. You're not coming in arrogantly. You're coming in confidently. And it's by faith that we access that grace. But real faith is connected to humility. I could do a whole other podcast on that. And I can't cover everything in one podcast. But needless to say, listen, don't fret over your weaknesses. He knows that you are weak <laughs> in areas. He knows that you are dust. But he also knows this. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Amen. Praise God. 
Thank you, Lord. Well, this has been the No Content Podcast. My name is Benjamin Pace. I hope you got something out of this today. I'll talk to you the next time you click play. Thanks again for listening to the No Content Podcast. Remember that Jesus loves you. He loves everyone else. And please don't forget to feed the ducks.